Night one of WrestleMania is in the books, and what a night it was. From an absolute classic between Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair, the return of Cody Rhodes, and Stone Cold Steve Austin having his first match in nearly 20 years. I can't wait to talk about this. Guys, let's get it all started right now. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants, me. All right, everybody, welcome to the WWE Podcast. Thank you for joining me here, and we're going to get into WrestleMania Night 1 and look a little bit ahead to Night 2. There's a full preview and prediction show, by the way, that I did with grace and we put that up a couple of days ago so you can hear our full night two uh, preview but we're mainly going to be focusing on night one here i did a very quick high level seven minute overview of my thoughts last night half asleep because i wanted to get something out there but today we're going to dive a lot more in depth on night one and my thoughts on it as well as again previewing a little bit of night two and boy, is there a lot to discuss with Stone Cold Steve Austin, I think, going to be the forefront of my conversation here in just a minute with after 19 years having an official match in WWE and what that could mean moving forward. And something that Stone Cold said during his promo or uh, during the, the KO segment in his promo that no one's talking about. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute as well. But guys, once once again, welcome to the WWE Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. There are so many different wrestling podcasts out there, especially this weekend with just every single show that has wrestling on it is covering WrestleMania, as they should. And you're electing to stay with us here for coverage, and we're going to be going wall-to-wall with more coverage and um, a lot more live video, which I did on TikTok last night. Very short, but I did it. And um, of course, on YouTube, and, and I'm going to be I'm going to be advancing a little bit more in a video, especially for those patrons who are uh, supporting the show. I'm going to be on there. Though, by the way, guys, still uh, available for you to get on Patreon for a dollar. You can get in the door and join us on Discord and everything else. You won't get any video, but you can at least get our ad-free shows, as well as on our uh, WrestleMania, or rather, our uh, Apple Podcast feed. 99 cents sales still going on. 99 cents for a month. And our website, Go VIP for all of our content ad-free, as well as videos. So, with that said, everybody, let's let's dive into to, uh, night one. And I'm, yes, I'm leading off with the main event. And that was the KO show that we knew was going to turn into a brawl, but we weren't sure it was going to be a match. And it did end up being an official match as Stone Cold Steve Austin came out with his knee braces. Uh, he came out with his shirt on. Many people have asked, well, why, why does he have a shirt? He never wrestled with his shirt. Well, he alluded to in, in uh, the previous week, the last week or two, that he did not have enough time as much time as he would have liked to prepare for this matchup with Kevin Owens, this confrontation as it was once framed. And you know, that that's the only thing that he wishes he had more time, which I would imagine he doesn't want to take off his shirt and have it not look like he did 20 years ago, you know, and and you could tell through the shirt that he still had a little bit of a, a little bit of a gut compared to, of course, his prime years, but that's probably why he kept his shirt on. No doubt about it. And I don't blame him. You know, I would, I wouldn't want to look like, you know, not look the part, especially after 20 years, and I get it. So um, now the one thing before we get into the actual matchup that I want to address 
is something Stone Cold said during the KO show. Let's talk about this. You know what? Instead of talking about it, why don't I just play it for you? And without me telling you what I'm going to be talking about specifically with what Stone Cold said, why don't you see if you can pick it out first? So let take a listen to this and we'll play a little game. Can you identify what we're going to talk about and what's very interesting to me? Here we go. I had my first match right here in Dallas, Texas. I could have my last match right here in Dallas, Texas. If you want Stone Cold Steve Austin to compete in a match tonight against his second, give me a hell yeah. All right. Well, did you did you pick it out? Did you identify it? I think you did. If, if you've been listening to the show, you know where I'm going with this. And there's one key word in there. Could. Stone Cold said, this could be where I have my last match. Could. Now, was he referring to if I decide in this moment to have this match, this could be my last match right now? Yeah, but very interesting choice of words. No one's talking about that. But see, we're here on the WWE podcast. We are smarter than everybody else. I say that very facetiously and kind of sarcastic a bit. But for real, I mean, that to me was very important because it leaves the door open. He's leaving the door open. I believe he used this. This is further evidence that he used last night as a, as a test for his body and his mind to see how everything turned out. And to see if it's indeed worth pursuing a further match or two and then calling it a complete career against Roman Reigns, against Brock Lesnar. Obviously, those are the two top choices. You could do others as well. But to me, Brock Lesnar and Stone Cold at WrestleMania 39 is uh, we're, 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 of course, stretching right now, but it's possible. And I really believe it's just he would have said that it's, you know, this is where I had my first match and it's appropriate. This is where I will have my last match, not could. So I know I'm harping on this, but it's very, very important when you listen to the, the phrasing there. So nonetheless, besides moving forward, let's look at what happened. So Stone Cold comes out after KO just continued to run him down. And boy, Kevin Owens got some great heat and he knows how to really turn it on. And even a guy that's beloved like KO was able to really get some g- genuine heat. And Stone Cold finally comes out after Kevin Owens was running his mouth. And we got a uh, Kevin Owens and Stone Cold sitting there and Kevin Owens says he, you know, he lied. He tricked him. He was actually going to challenge him to a match. And uh, Austin obviously accepted, as anybody would expect. And just in that moment, when Austin and, and Kevin Owens were pacing each other around the ring before that bell rang, the, the significance of that moment really sank in. I mean, when you think about the significance of this. It can't be overstated. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin, nearly 20 years later, we get another match from him. And hearing that bell ring and seeing Stone Cold just staring across the ring at KO was a hell of a moment. They talk about moments all the time, and I'm tired of hearing about moments. You know, WrestleMania has really become kind of a self-fulfilling, obsessive, self-obsessive prophecy. 
where, where they're all, everyone in WWE, all the performers are always talking about WrestleMania moments, WrestleMania moments, as if it's, it's, it's like the fourth wall. Like, stop talking about it. Just make it a great card and have great stories culminate there. It, it's always like they're, they're, they're very self-aware of how big this this pay-per-view is. And that I, I don't like that because it's just it's so I, I don't know how to describe it other than just it's a very um, just self-aware constant reminder. Everybody knows how big it is, but we're going to talk about how big it is all the time. Anyway, I'm going to get off on a tangent, but this was guys hearing that bell ring and seeing stone cold there and realizing, Holy, you know what? Holy, we are in a match. Like this is a match. And it wasn't an Eric Rowan rock match. That was just a complete fallacy, just an insult to a match. And seeing, this was just, it gave me chills. And see, hearing Stone Cold's music come out and seeing him come out on set, th- I mean, that gave me chills. I, I mean, I can't imagine what it was like in person. Michael Ritter, who does our SmackDown review with uh, John, was there in person and he had said how, you know, he had got chills the entire time. And I couldn't imagine being there, much less, I mean, watching it at home was, I'm watching it back. I've watched it back like 10 times now and it still is absolutely amazing to see. And I've heard some criticism already about Stone Cold. Heard some, some. Oh, he doesn't look like himself. Why isn't he weren't taking off his shirt? I already addressed the shirt thing. Secondly, is he a step slower? Yeah. He doesn't have that same quickness that he did at 38 as he does at 58, okay? Duh. And he hasn't had a match in 20 years, okay? He hasn't had a match in 20 years. What do you think you'd be like? Now, it was a respectable uh, a respectable effort by Stone Cold. In fact, I would, I would argue that it was as good as it could have been for him at that age, 20 years removed from an actual match. It was as good as it could have been. Now, again, was it was it a little obvious that he was slower in his punches and everything else? Yes, it was. Was it distracting? Passingly, it was. But he took a bump on the concrete. When Stone Cold took a back body drop or a suplex, whatever it was, I think it was a suplex from KO on the concrete, I was thinking, first of all, I I was, I held my breath. I'm like, Steve, what are you doing, man? I mean, I know the message that he was trying to send because they're all about, people love sending messages in WWE. I mean, that has to be part of your resume is that, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to half-ass this. This is going to be something that if I'm going to do, I'm going to show you guys I'm willing to take a bump. And he did. And I, you know, message received. I got it. And... It was amazing, um, you know, and, and, and seeing the effort that he put in, he did t- he did not just dish out the punishment. I mean, it was about 70-30 in terms of punishment dished out by Austin, and KO got his shots in, though. And I, I, I got to give it to Steve, man. He did take some some flat back bumps. He took that shot on the concrete. Uh, he hit, Kevin Owens hit a stunner on him. But, you know, at the end of the day, KO ends up hit, eating a stunner with the one, two, three, eating another stunner. I would have liked the third, but I'll accept two. And then, which was one of the best things ever, Byron Saxton gets stunned as well. Byron Saxton, who is just, I mean, just such a distraction on commentary. It's, its I mean, I have not gotten used to Byron at all with his phrases and his just tropes and his corporate, corporate language that he pushes all the time and all, all these things, right? I'm not a Byron Saxon fan at all, so seeing him get stunned was a lot of fun, and it was a, it was a great time. And the crowd was with him one thousand percent from start to finish. It was awesome. There's no other way to phrase it other than it was nostalgia 
wrapped with a hell of an effort, wrapped with some hope for the future, that perhaps, perhaps we could see, could see Stone Cold Steve Austin in another match. Um, you know, that, of course, will be uh, determined in the future. That'll be something down the line that we'll figure out and hear rumors about. And it's, it's also possible that, hey, maybe he's actually on Raw. Maybe he's here at WrestleMania night, too. I don't, I don't know for what reason. I doubt it. But if anything, maybe he's there in Dallas for Monday Night Raw and he ends up hitting somebody else with a stunner. Maybe Kevin Owens one last time and leaves. I hope so. I hope I hope Austin's there at least for Raw and then he goes away for a while and we hear rumors of next year's WrestleMania where he could face so-and-so. That's hopefully what happens here. I don't I, I don't foresee um I don't foresee any anything major happening with Austin at WrestleMania night two tonight. But again, awesome effort. As good as it could have been for Stone Cold and just chills. I mean absolute chills. Um, and I know people have talked about, well, Hey, you know, what, what about the, the current roster? They don't get a spot. Why don't they get the main event? This is the biggest draw in the history of pro wrestling returning to wrestling. Everyone and everything takes a backseat. Everyone and everything. I know that the, it's about building new stars, but first of all, Kevin Owens is still in the prime of his career. This helps elevate us. Uh, Kevin in a lot of ways, even though he took the loss, that doesn't matter. He can come back and cut a promo and still talk trash and you'll want to see him get a beat up, get beat up again. I mean, Kevin Owens is not going to be hurt by this loss at all. There's no such thing as being demoted by being in a main event of WrestleMania with Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's not like even if this was a squash, which it wasn't, I still would argue that it doesn't hurt KO. But this was just um, it helps KO in every sense of the word. And um Again, just awesome stuff, guys. All right. Well, I mean, I, I could go on and on about this, but all right. Let's uh, let's talk about another match here. Let's talk about Ronda Rousey and Charlotte. Um, I have to say, first of all, and first and foremost, the match was better than I expected. Ronda Rousey impressed me from a just a number of moves standpoint. She was able to get out of uh, maneuvers. She added uh, a lot of. Uh, she added some some actual wrestling moves to her repertoire. She has the ankle lock that she seemingly has mastered from Kurt Angle, the armor, all that, all that stuff. And seeing her lose that match to Charlotte with a boot to the face was surprising. Surprising in a way that I'm not happy, not angry about. Okay. I am elated that Ronda Rousey did not win that match. I'm shocked but I'm elated, elated. So this was, uh, again, a, honestly, a good match. Was it as good as Bianca and Becky? Hell no. But given that a lot of pan, uh, fans, including myself, did not look at this match and say, whoa, the match of the night written all over this, you know, nobody did. Nobody that I've heard or listened to or even encountered on social media has said that. And I think they did a very good job of overachieving people's bar they set low, but also telling a decent story and not having the crowd completely turn on this match. You know, the, the crowd didn't actually crap all over this, and I thought they would. Now, that said, I think that we still got a lot of indifference from the crowd. At least that's how it came off of. Um, it, it came off very just kind of indifferent and, and kind of mixed at times, I have to say. So... You know, there was that. Um, 
and, and and overall, again, this was a fine match, a fine match in which both women put in hard work. I have to say, um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of websites that giving it a, like a B minus C plus. A lot of websites do that, and you know, I, I'd agree with that assessment. I think that's a fair assessment. I, I would say that it's a in, in the C plus B minus range, and this was just a match that I think is leading to other matches. A lot of kickouts of finishes, by the way, a lot of uh, submission holds in which you're not sure if someone's going to tap. Ronda did get Charlotte to tap, but the referee got knocked out. The referee gets up, boot to the face, bam, gone. Um, again, not a bad match. It was a fine match. And that's that. I mean, Charlotte retains. Many people thought she was going away after WrestleMania. Nope. She's here to stay. She is here to stay, and I think Becky Lynch eventually will face Ronda one-on-one, maybe at uh, SummerSlam. That's my thought, anyway. So, good stuff from Ronda and Charlotte, even though I could care less about Ronda Rousey. Um, yep, that's my personal opinion. Uh, let's see here. Um, aha. Okay. Seth Rollins, mystery opponent. The worst-kept secret in all of pro wrestling for the last month Ended up being Cody Rhodes. Crowd loved it. And Jimmy Smith apparently has been living, you know, under a boulder, not just a rock, but like some kind of, uh, I don't know, some kind of iceberg he's been living under because his comment that after the pain, after he was introduced, after Cody Rhodes was revealed to be Seth's mystery opponent, Jimmy Smith said, and the people here in AT&T Stadium can't believe it. Jimmy, are, are you, number one, I have to believe you're trolling because people were chanting Cody half the night. People, people have been chanting Cody the last few weeks from every, in, in every city they went when Seth Rollins came out. How exactly is this unexpected? Are you, are, this is, these are the, the, like the narrative lies that they try to push that the people are shocked and they, they did a good job by fooling everybody and the announcer is telling us so makes it so? No. I mean... Anybody with a you know two ears and a pair of eyes were like, yeah, no, it, it's duh. Like, of course it's Cody, and it couldn't have been anybody else. First of all, I mean, imagine if they brought out Shane. I've said that before. Grace brought it up, and I, I just imagine if it was Shane, I would have actually loved to hear that, uh, hear him come out and see what the crowd does, just for just you know, the the pure evil intentions of hearing what that reaction would be like, and then obviously seeing Cody come out after, but. This couldn't have been anybody else other than Cody. The crowd loved it. Cody was super over. And I think that this match, even though Seth Rollins lost, this is probably Seth Rollins' best loss to date at WrestleMania, at least in the last few years. I mean, Seth has some big, big matchups that he's lost at WrestleMania. Big ones. Kevin Owens, for one. I mean, he lost to Edge. It wasn't WrestleMania, but he lost the blow-off to Edge recently. And Seth Rollins has not had a good outcome lately when it comes to big matches on the big stage. Seth's like Seth is not does not have a good record at WrestleMania anyway. I'd, I'd love to know what the actual numbers are, but the reason I say it's his best loss, even though you know at this point I think the losses are actually starting to hurt Rollins. This matchup may have been Seth Rollins' best matchup in in, in a few years. And it's not because Seth Rollins has not put in the effort, but his opponents sometimes have been limiting him for what he can do. And I think Cody Rhodes 
and him put on a clinic. They put on a wrestling clinic for 15, 20 minutes and absolutely knocked it out of the park. Absolutely knocked it out of the park. I, I, I know that there were some, some, at some points, I mean, I'm seeing a review right now where somebody said that the match got a bit sloppy, especially down the stretch. I mean, I think that a lot of, a lot of it had to do probably with exhaustion, the moment, the adrenaline. When your body is that exhausted from taking a beating for 20 minutes, I mean, you're bound to have a little bit of a, a little bit of um, lack of control of your muscles and, and, and that kind of thing. But that didn't, to me, hurt the match. It did not. Now, the, the, having Cody Rhodes hit crossroads like three times, the way he did it was a little bit, I, I get that, right? Like, it's a little weak the way that the crossroads looked because it was clear that his arm was protecting Seth's head and he did it in, in a way that wasn't the best looking. But the narrative of it, that's my favorite word lately, narrative. Uh, but that to me was the story. There you go. The story they were trying to tell is that Cody is putting Seth down for good. It's insurance, as Corey Graves said. And uh, Corey, Corey Graves, by the way, had some funny action, some funny commentary last night when he said that Stone Cold was like Popeye, right? Like when he he had an analogy of the beer was to Stone Cold as spinach was to Popeye, something along those lines, and it made me laugh. I mean, I was I was laughing at that. So props to, to uh, Corey Graves on that. But back to Cody and Seth, this was good. I mean, there was a, a line where Rhodes was being told, welcome back to the big leagues and all that. And I, I'm very fearful, though, even though Cody's back and the fans love it and he'll be an immediate baby face, that they'll WWE eyes him again, where it's, it'll be very clear that corporate has their thumb on him, that they're controlling him. That it doesn't feel like Cody Rhodes we saw in AEW. It doesn't feel like that unchained uh, Cody Rhodes we saw. And it's possible. It's possible we do. And I'm, I'm sure they will because nobody's bigger than WWE. And um, that said, I, 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 do I think that this match is going to continue? Possibly. And in fact, I think it's likely that Cody and Seth have another match or two with the next to uh, premium live events or, or PLEs or PLUS. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a real catchy acronym, huh? A PLUS. <laughs> um, but that is what I think. I think that these two, given how good that they performed last night, the chemistry that they have on air, the crowd reaction that ensued, I believe that it's probably going to be another couple of matches with these two. Seth needs a win here, though. I mean, Seth actually could... Uh, they won't do it, but he needs a big victory a big blow-off victory, not just like these kind of intermediate, I you know I lose match one, oh, but I storm back and win match two, and then I lose the blow-off in match three. I mean, that's kind of been Seth's motto for a while. So I expect this to continue for those that are interested, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I also believe that Cody could eventually face Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship, assuming, assuming he's on SmackDown. Um, but that's... Yeah, they they didn't they didn't state who he where he is yet. I mean, he faced Seth, so you would think he's on Raw, but eventually I think he could face Roman Reigns. So, who who? Uh, spoiler alert! I don't see any way he loses the belt tonight. Okay, uh, let's go into what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about? Mm, Gable Stevenson. <laughs> Gable Stevenson. Um. I'm glad, you know, for when I heard Stephanie McMahon's music, it always makes me want to vomit. I mean, just immediately. 
without any any provocation. I just hear her music and I want to, you know, put my face in boiling water. And seeing her come out and she's I know she's the chief brand operating officer, but can she take a break from being the brand, the brand, the brand, the philanthropist and just be Stephanie McMahon? You know, I just everything about her is just insufferable. Not not the character, because the character Stephanie McMahon is a, is a one of the best heel characters of all time. And she's a really good promo. But the actual person who pushes the company as a brand officer, that actual person is the one that's insufferable on social media and just undermines her own product on a daily basis. Uh, that's the Stephanie I can't stand. But she did introduce Gable Stevenson very nicely. All that, all those insults aside, I just threw her away. She did do a nice job of introducing Gable Stevenson. And the fact that Stephanie was the one to come out does tell you that he's going to be a big deal. And they went through his accolades, NCAA champion, all, all these things, two-time NCAA. Like, he's got a nice look. He, you know, I think there's a lot there. And I think the, the comment made, I think, by Corey saying, this is not going to be the last time we see him at a WrestleMania is very true. So we'll see what his role, um, his role is. Maybe it is on Raw. Maybe he starts a program with somebody. But we heard about Gable Stevenson like six months ago when he went into oblivion. Now he's back. And I think he's back for at least the foreseeable future, continuing to remind us that he's there, maybe showing us his training in, in the Performance Center or something like that. But um, not much more to say about that. Now let's get to arguably the other match of the night contender beyond Cody and Seth, which you can make a stronger match of the night candidate for that really lived up to it. Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, man, um, really good here. Really good. I mean, to the point that I, I normally don't go back and watch full matches just not because I don't want to. I just normally don't have the time, but I may make the time here. This was really good, really good. Um, I would argue that there's a case to be made that it's bigger and better then Sasha and Bianca were last year, and they blew the, the um, roof off the place. Now, yes, there was a botch. Becky's foot kicked Bianca right in the face, right in her eye, as she did like a a sunset flip or a um, kind of a, I don't, know, I don't know what you call it. She did like a some kind of flip off the rope, and her foot ended up connecting with Bianca's eye. And I thought she was doing the knockdown or orbital bone was cracked, something bad, right? Bianca powered through, but you could tell towards the end of her match, especially when she won, that her eye was swollen and it was about to swell shut. And I just hope everything's okay because that looked brutal. I mean, there's no fake in that. So that looked really, really rough. But outside of that, which didn't hurt the match, actually, and I think it actually helped, despite the fact that Bianca was legitimately, quote unquote, injured, I think it did help the match. Not that it was intentional, uh, but this was really good. The 450 splash by Bianca was perfect. The KOD was brutal. I mean, the, the, the KOD that she did was so intense. Anybody else notice she ramped up the intensity of that KOD? That that was just awesome. Uh, them starting out with trying to hit finishers on one another, the manhandle slam at the beginning of the matchup actually had me wondering it was as close to a three count as you could get repeating SummerSlam for these two where Becky was uh, where Becky put Bianca down in like 12 seconds whatever it was and uh, let's see what what other spots are there I'm looking through the bullets of stuff I don't want to make I'm going to make sure I don't forget oh the uh, ring steps 
that was a nice uh, shot there. I think Becky threw Bianca into them. And the, the crowd lost their minds here. And it was absolutely one of those match of the night, maybe match of the entire pay-per-view contenders. This is just, um, this is this is great. And they have a true star in, in Bel Air. I think she lost a lot of momentum going into the last few months, especially if you remember with uh, Bel Air being able to take the easy path to get to the chamber. She was the last one out. She you know, had the easiest path as a baby face to get to this matchup. I think all of that, those problems and potential heel turns that were organically starting to take root have been erased because the fans looked at this match and were like, holy crap, we forgot how good this girl is. She is, I think, the best pure athlete WWE has right now. I don't I know you're all oh, Ronda Rousey. No, not Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey's has her own style that she's morphed and and kind of melded into a pro wrestling style. Plus Bianca has the whole package. She can cut a damn good promo. She's got a great presence. She somehow takes the most obnoxious phrase ever of calling herself the EST of everything and making it endearing. It's it's really and truly amazing. Now, do I think she'll eventually be a really good heel? Yes. Do I think that time is sometime in 2022? Probably. Probably later in the year after she drops her belt, maybe. But for now, she's, I think, established and reestablished herself, rebirthed herself as a babyface. I think that all of the possible issues that were coming of her with the kind of the slowing of momentum, the fans somewhat disinterest in her character compared to last year were all erased in a matchup her and uh, Becky Lynch had last night. Really good stuff, guys. Uh, really good. I mean, I, I can't say enough about this match. All right. Let's see here. Mysterios versus The Miz and Logan Paul. Now, we saw The Miz and Logan Paul win. I was wrong on that. Wrong on that. I was wrong at least two or three times throughout the night. And sorry, Grace. My apologies. <laughs> I told you, don't listen to me. I can sell you a bill of goods. Don't buy it. Stick by your guns. Anybody that comes on a preview and prediction show with me and I make the case why your pick isn't good and mine is, and you end up switching your pick, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it because I always end up being wrong. Just ask Ashley. Ashley Mann, who has come on the show and I've convinced her to change her pick and 99% of the time I end up being wrong and she wishes she stuck with her damn pick. And now Grace is the latest victim. So nobody listened to me. I'm a car salesman. All right. But the Mysterios here in Logan Paul and Miz, I think Logan Paul did a good job. I mean, he may be an insufferable human being as a, as a person, but he did a good job. He really did. And he did not embarrass himself, nor did he embarrass the company. He put in effort. He busted his ass. You could tell he was he was huffing and puffing. And it tell it just shows you, for an athlete like Logan Paul, who was who is incredibly athletic. I mean, he, he, he was the fifth, fifth in his state in actual amateur wrestling. He won his boxing matches. Can't remember his opponent uh, a few months ago or a few, was it months ago? I'm, I'm sometime last year. And he's always working out, always doing his, he's got his own fitness line actually too. And, and his drink and all that prime, I think, which actually is kind of a garbage drink, but, and he was huffing and puffing hard. And, the only thing I would say about Logan Paul, beyond him being insufferable, does he know how to sell? Did he forget how to sell? 
Or did he not know that that's like a major part of professional wrestling? And what I mean by that is he took like four finishers and got up within like 10 seconds of each. He had he got hit with the double six one nine and two frog splashes and was up within like I'm seriously eight to 10 seconds in the end of the match, too. So when he got hit with the skull crushing finale, he was up within like 15 seconds. So either he's got some superhuman ability that we don't know about, or he just simply was not informed enough about the art of selling. So, um, you know, the Mysterios lose. Honestly, I don't care. The Miz turns heel. This, does, this, by the way, will not turn Logan Paul babyface. Okay, if they if they believe that this is going to be something that Logan Paul does on a regular basis and they can somehow turn him babyface on this and he does pursue a more full-time career in wrestling, I don't think he will, but if he does, ain't going to happen. He's an inherently unlikable person. And just because he was dumb enough to trust The Miz and get hit with a skull-crushing finale does not turn him babyface. Sorry. I would actually side with The Miz on this one out of all things. And I can't stand The Miz. I would side with The Miz. That's how much I dislike Logan Paul. So, that said, it was a it was a fine match. Dom had a few botches. Dom is is is, is as is as interesting to me as I mean, a, a, the lamp sitting next to me. I mean, the lamp next to me at least provides a purpose. It provides meaning. It, it sheds light on things. I can see in my office. Dominic Mysterio is only there because of his dad. Let's be honest. He looks like he is a high school junior, and he can't talk on the mic. And that, that I mean, he's, he's fine in the ring, but that's it. So, <laughs> I mean, anyway, let's move on here. Let's go to another match. And Happy Corbin versus Drew McIntyre. Better than expected. Better than expected for this matchup. It was exactly what we thought the ending would be with Happy Corbin finally getting a loss in the loss column. And also, Drew McIntyre kicking out of End of Days, which myself and Grace talked about as a possible side story to this, and the announcers did bring it up. I think Michael Cole said, and I believe, guys, that's the first time that anyone's kicked out of End of Days. So Corbin was shocked. They brought it up, and it was something that uh, was was fun to watch. And I think they did as good of they, as they could have been with this matchup, and uh, we had Madcap Moss accidentally cost Corbin the matchup and it's going to be I think a, a another slow descent into Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin splitting and uh, again no no problem with this matchup I think that it was a solid match the slicing of the ropes I don't know what to say about it anymore the thing is with that sword I know that that's not his staple now I know there's deep meaning to it with his mother he named it after who died I, I get all that and then he, you know, he pretends to use it as a weapon, but you know he's never, ever, 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 ever going to use it as a weapon because he can't. So he'll do these time, he'll have these moments where he'll pretend to swing it at somebody, even though they're like, you know, halfway across the arena. And they tried to sell it last night, like he was going to slice Mad Cat Moss in half. It was like five seconds of a delay between Mad Cat Moss off the apron and, you know, Drew McIntyre swinging the sword which by the way is a real sword and it did slice the ropes two of them which tells you they're never going to ever use that as a real weapon it's just there for a prop it's there for part of his gimmick it's and i get all that but anyway um oh one thing i want to say about becky's hair i don't know where i thought about that becky's hair is badass 
I gotta say, it's she always knows when to kind of change things up and when things are getting stale. Becky Lynch's hair was fire, as they'd say, and it was to me a nice refresh of her character. I think it was a symbolic change to who she's who she is. I think this could send her in into a descent that she has not seen in a while, where she maybe goes on a losing streak and gets darker and darker and darker. I I think that's possible. So. Um, no problem here. McIntyre finally hits Corbin with a Claymore. And hopefully this this program's over. God help us if this continues. It's got to be over, right? <laughs> Famous last words. All right. The, the, the show opened, though, with um, the Usos and Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Not a great match, I have to say. I think it's because of the legitimate injury. And it is legitimate. It's confirmed. The injury to Boogs is legit where he had both Usos on his shoulders and his knee buckled and he t- tore his quad from his uh, patella, meaning he his quad that's attached to his kneecap psh, snapped, gone. He needs surgery. He's going to be out for months. Th- this is not a, a work. They wouldn't have done this as a work, and I actually questioned it at first. you know. But the more I thought about it, this is not a time to do an injury angle, especially that early in the match. And you have somebody as hot as Boogs, doesn't make sense. Now, if that injury didn't happen, would they have gone home so quick, meaning ended the match so quickly, and still had the outcome be Usos retaining? We don't know. I guess we'll never know. Yeah, I, I don't believe that the Usos should have retained it. It didn't feel right that they retained, given how hot Boogs is, and he opened the show. I actually said that that was my other possibility for who opens the show in terms of entrances. It's always got to be a babyface that opens the show, and it was this time with uh, Boogs and him super over with Shinsuke on, uh, uh, with his whole gimmick and his entrance. And um, I think people were ready to embrace Boogs as a, as a tag team champion, and they won't get that opportunity because he was taken out fairly early in the match with a quad injury. It was real quad snapped from the patella. And unfortunately for Boogs, he is out of action for probably what is a few months at least, maybe uh, looking towards this early summer. Maybe midsummer, and that's my guess. I haven't heard anything, but based on that injury, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a quick, you know, kind of walk it off, buddy, kind of thing. So, really, really tough, tough break for Boogs, who was positioned to get a nice victory, I believe, at WrestleMania and uh, capitalize on that organic movement that is going on for Boogs. So, really, really tough break for him. But overall, the match, I mean, it was it was okay. Obviously, the injury really hurt things, but it, it was okay otherwise. It just kind of, I mean, it could have been something on SmackDown. Like if you took the the uh, platform of AT&T Stadium out of it and you stuck this match on any old SmackDown, you would never know this was a WrestleMania match. I mean, it, it was it was it was okay. It was eh, right, but okay. As far as that goes, guys, uh, that is night one, I believe. Did I forget anything? I'm looking through my notes here. Make sure I didn't miss anything. I know somebody will call me out. Uh, I don't think I did. I think I caught everything here, guys. What an amazing um, you know, night one. Night one, I would say, is like a B plus. I mean, it was it was a B plus, A minus range. It was that good. Uh, amazing night one. Night two, guys, as we look forward to night two, of course, is headlined by Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. I will continue to stick by my guns that I have said over the last few months that it's Reigns winning by hook or crook, by the Usos helping, Paul Heyman helping, all hands on deck to help Roman. 
And Roman's going to get beat up and brutalized by Brock, but it's going to ultimately be Roman who retains hook or crook. And then it has to end with the rock confronting Roman. It has to, there's no other option here. You can't call this the biggest WrestleMania match of all time and then not deliver on that and send the crowd home pissed off. That, that, that to me is not delivering on it. If, if you're telling me this is the biggest WrestleMania match of all time, then, and it ends with just Roman standing with two belts over Brock's beaten body. And then, you know, you see the little logo in the bottom right of your screen and then they just go off the air. How is that any different than day one or SummerSlam or Madison Square Garden's non-televised event? How exactly is this the biggest WrestleMania match of all time again? If it's the same finish as the last three times? Yeah. So there has to be something or I will be very disappointed in this. Now, Roman should win. Don't get me wrong. Roman should win. And I want to see Roman get his ass kicked bad. But I also understand that Roman winning is a better path moving forward for his legacy and for saving that victory for somebody else, Uh, hopefully an up up and coming star. And of course, leading for the rock and uh, Roman, hopefully at WrestleMania 39. I mean, think about WrestleMania 39, guys. Just think about this for a minute. There's already some matches floating out there as rumors for a year from now in L.A., April 1st and 2nd, 2023. We have Roman and Rock. We have Brock and Austin already rumored. Now, I'm also perpetuating those rumors and propagating them because I want them to happen. But those are some stretch, but some rumors out there that aren't that aren't really that far from reality, to be honest. So think about that next year. Oh my gosh, I'm already getting excited, but nonetheless, um, that is a night one or night two, a little bit of a preview there. We have Sammy Zayn and Johnny Knoxville, who the hell cares, Omas and Bobby Lashley, actually really interested in that match more than I feel like I should be to see how they position both guys and uh, that uh, the women's tag team title match. Of course, there's never a champion. There's never a match for the women without the belts and belts involved, which is kind of a sad thing. Um, we have Edge and AJ Styles, which also could be could be a, a match of the pay-per-view contender. It may not beat out Becky and Bianca, but in the men's category, it has the chance to be as good as Cody and Seth, if not better. It has the chance. It, there's so much talent this this year, guys. I mean, my God, the amount of talent and matches right now is just incredible. Um, so that I'm really looking forward to as well. So again, guys. Night two is going to be a lot of fun. Join us on Patreon. Go ad free. Get all the ads out of your way because as the ads continue to pile up, your listening experience is not as fun, right? Because every 10 minutes you're like, oh, another ad, another ad, another ad. Get rid of them. A 99 cents right now on Apple Podcasts. Hit subscribe or go on our Patreon page for uh, patreon.com slash WWE podcast. A dollar gets you in the door. If you go up one tier to a $5 tier, you get videos as well. I'll be pumping out another one of those uh, very soon. And TikTok, follow us on TikTok at the WWE Podcast, or check out our website, WWEPodcast.com. Use promo code WrestleMania and get 50% off your first month. What are you doing, guys? Ad-free, everything there, as well as videos. So, so much to talk about tonight, guys. Join us on the Discord server. You guys were a lot of fun. Um, I I love kind of taking a backseat and being on on the bench and observing your guys' conversations. Some of them are hilarious. And all, all the GIFs and everything that come in, it's good stuff. So, thank you, everybody, for listening. Get ready for night two. Oh, hell yeah. Take care, and I'll be talking to everybody very, very soon. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. 
so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.